Thank you for joining us on After Dark with Rob and Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or head on over to AmericaOutloud.com and click on the Listen Live tab for 24-7 Talk Radio. You won't be disappointed. Tonight, my special host, co-host, is Heather Robinson, journalist for the New York Post. She's standing in for Andrew. He's taking some time off. Glad to have her on tonight because we want to get her opinion and her thoughts on this new found set of files that have been found in Joe Biden's, I think now in his home in Delaware. Last week, we learned that there were some files that were found in one of his vacation homes and of all places, as Andrew and I mentioned the other night, files were found in his garage. But never fear, because the garage was locked up with his Corvette. (laughs) And that's supposed to be a secure place. And he admitted this, as Andrew pointed out last night, that he just said so cavalier. When Peter Ducey asked him about it, he said, oh, yeah, by the way, it was found there. But, you know, we talked about that. But And we're going to continue to talk about it, as I said, because I, in my opinion, what we're finding out about this administration and the FBI and the CIA and the collusions that were taking place and what they were telling Twitter, what they were doing with Twitter, in my opinion, It is worse than Watergate. However, as I mentioned before, if the media doesn't cover it, it's almost as if though it never happened. Mm -hmm. And when you say, what media are you referring to? Well, I'm talking about the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, NPR. If those mainstream news outlets don't cover the story, it's almost as if it didn't happen. And if it did happen, once they get it and they start to spin it and put their propaganda in on it, in coerced with the, with the White House, people really don't understand what's going on. You know, Heather, I, I'm reading a book right now, mm-hmm. and the name of it is Rigged by Molly Hemingway. Mm -hmm. This is a fascinating book, Mm. and I would encourage all of our listeners to go pick up a copy because Mm -hmm. she's talking about things that I had either forgotten about and sometimes as I've been in high school and college or things that I was completely unaware of, like the beginning when we had the election of Zachary Taylor in 1948. It was held on a single day nationwide. By law, all the votes had to be counted then. But then in 1944, for some reason, voting was carried out continuously. I mean, it was like never ending. People realized that we can't do it. So we need to cut it back to one day, which, like I said, 1948 with Zachary Taylor. Now, so, so that's one thing I don't think people are aware of. And I'm going to get to my point here. Then I was reading in the book, are you guys aware when they're talking about poll watchers and having poll watchers during the election and what they encourage people to go out and watch the polls? Well, little did I know that back in, I think, 1971 in New Jersey, there was a kufuffala 
as to Democrats or had accused Republicans of going into one of the polling sites and try to keep people from voting. If it was true or not, we'll never know. But a judge at the time appointed by Jimmy Carter, Dickinson DeBose, put a some type of agreement on Republicans that they would never, ever go to any polling sites whenever there was an election. This was across the board. Now, it started in New Jersey, but this judge came in and said, okay, you guys are going to enter an agreement with the Republicans. And Republicans, it was, a, it was called a, some type of consent decree that they would not approach any polling sites. So you yes. think back when so Republicans were, go ahead, go ahead, Heather. They applied to one side? One side mm-hmm. only, Republicans. <laughs> okay, and Republicans were weak. They, did, they chose not to fight it. So from, I think it took place in 19, I'm looking at it right now. Sounds like today. Wow. Well, hold on. So this took place, okay, in 1981. So from 1981 up until 2015, when this judge died, Republicans stayed away from polling booths. They had no one monitoring the elections. They talked about it. Like, we've got to be careful. But they never went in because they were afraid. So when this guy died in nineteen in 2015, now that's fairly recently. What state was this, Rob? This was in New Jersey. New Jersey. My. It was a gubernatorial race. The Democrats accused Republicans of nefarious actions. So this mm-hmm. judge came in, Dickinson DeVos, they entered a, some type of decree, a court-ordered consent decree limiting Republicans' involvement with any poll-watching operation. So that's... Thing I ever heard. That's like collective punishment. I mean, how can exactly. you exactly on one political party or race or sex yep. or even yep. like say someone did something wrong? None of your kind are allowed. Yep. I mean, so that's such blatant discrimination. <laughs> so from 1981 until 2015, when the judge died, mm. no, that, that decree, consent decree between the two parties, was supposed to have been limited. But the Republicans were afraid to argue, say anything about it. So it continued on for almost 40 something years. This judge dies in 2015. Barack Obama is president. Then Barack Obama appointed another judge in 2018 who said, okay, it's time for this thing to expire. So expire. So think about it. From 1981 up until then, Republicans were already behind the eight ball as far as getting a ground game together to monitor polls. So it brings us to, to forward to today. That is a reason why Republicans are so shy and afraid to push back on a lot of races. I was completely unaware, and I'm going to let you jump in here, Heather, that in 1998, Harry Reid won Nevada recount vote thanks to Mark Elias And then in 2008, Al Franken won a recount. He challenged the election votes. And this is all Democrats. Then it begs the question, okay, so when Republicans go in and say, we want to challenge this, everyone piles on top of them and say, you can't do it. This is wrong. How dare you? How dare you challenge this? Look at what happened in Arizona. How dare you challenge this? Even with Donald Trump, how dare you? But Democrats, 
have always challenged and won because Republicans are afraid of their own shadows, or they could be afraid that the 1981 ruling could affect them. So I say all this to say, look at, what, look at what's happening now. This whole thing with Joe Biden and these classified documents. Joe Biden went on 60 Minutes with Scott Pelley, and he said Trump was reckless. How could he have those documents at Mar-a-Lago? This makes absolutely no sense. And that's the reason why he was elected to almost like bring some type of calmness and steadiness back to the White House. All while he was saying that, more than likely he knew that he had classified documents that he shouldn't have had because he's a vice president. Now, we can argue backwards and forward as to if Trump had the authority to declassify. Well, we know that he had the authority to declassify, but when he can declassify and is there a process to declassify? Now, as Andrew and I said the other night, the Obar came out and said, oh, Trump messed up and he should be prosecuted. No one has ever done this before, but Trump is the president. He has the power to declassify. When he can do it and how is questionable. But Joe Biden is not, was not president. I don't think he's president now. I think he's a resident. But it's neither here nor there. That's a topic for another day. But Joe Biden, as a vice president, mishandled classified sensitive information. And I'm hearing that some of that information was about Ukraine and Russia. As I said the other night, where is Bill Barr? Why won't he come out with that same force and say, Joe Biden was wrong. He shouldn't have done this. Where is he? Now, I know I went kind of long in my opening because I wanted to get all this out, but Heather, thank you for joining us. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts? Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. Well, I mean, as far as that historical um, information that's outrageous about uh, Republican monitors being banned on the basis of being Republican in New Jersey, that's disgusting and it's corrupt and you know i mean i think in general that um having monitors strive for objectivity having people from across the political spectrum it's just a very basic principle that i think a kindergartner could understand you don't want just one side there counting votes and that's absolutely outrageous um, but let's remember that, you know, there have been some discrepancies. There have been questions about other elections. And, you know, I would just remind you, it, it doesn't always go the Democrats way. I mean, remember in uh, 2000, um, you know, there was the question of the Bo Gore v. Bush. Sorry, I almost said Bore. Gore v. Bush. And, <laughs> and it did go George W. Bush's way. Um so, I mean, uh, I think in recent times, we're seeing more, um, certainly more, uh, I think, institutional bias against uh, Republicans and conservatives because so many of the institutions of the country are dominated by the left, whether we talk about the media, as you said, or the universities and academia. And now it appears that some of the, the, the agencies of our government itself um, from, you know, the IRS was weaponized, we know, during the Obama years to go after disproportionately uh, conservative and pro-Zionist groups. And now lately we hear that uh, it seems like even elements within the FBI 
have a, a strong partisan bias that they are that seems to be affecting their decision making. And, you know, I was just saying to someone today that, you know, when you think about G men and, you know, agents of our government, you think of them as being people who do their jobs and are kind of above uh, strident political agenda. But uh, it, it just it more and more is coming out more and more of what we suspected all along, Rob, uh, you know, that there's just, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of uh, anti-conservative bias in the institutions of the country, including the government. And now, uh, you know, the voters have spoken. Um, we didn't have a sweep in the midterms, but we do have a Republican uh, House and they are going to be asking some questions and we we need them to to go to bat for us but i wonder if the republican house will have the backbone to stand up and push back and i'm glad you mentioned the incident with the uh, 2000 election with uh bush versus gore and we prevailed although democrats will still say that the election was stolen but mm -hmm. the incidents that I cited, historical events that I cited, people are completely unaware. And that's one of the things that frightens me, that if we don't keep this information out front and center, people won't know. They'll just assume that the spinning that they're hearing, and I got to admit, there is a lot of spinning that's going on. Now, both sides are guilty of it. But as of recently, when you look at the things that are being just like they're spinning completely out of control, the redefining of words and this fantasy world that they want us to live in, if Republicans aren't able at this point, I mean, I, I almost feel as if though we're at a crossroads. And do you remember the poem by Edgar Allan Poe? Is, I think it was Edgar Allan Poe, the, the Road Not Taken. That's that's um, Robert Frost. Robert Frost, The road's not, road's, Road Not Taken. Mm -hmm. And the person is trying to decide if I take, do this, this will happen. I wonder and if we're at that. Back, yes, saying, looking back in time at a, to a decision point in his life and, and remembering the, the decision and saying that has made all the difference. I've, I've often seen that poem interpreted as um, about the decision to become an artist as opposed uh -huh. to a more practical line of work. But anyway. Right. Yeah, but I, but I look at right, I look at it and I, you know, and I apply mm -hmm. it to today to some of the things that are uh, that are mm -hmm. taking place. Now we've got to take a quick commercial break, but I want to come back and I want to continue this discussion because I feel that if we don't keep it out front and center, people will lose sight, people will forget. They won't know what happened, and there is a concerted effort, and as you said, it seems by some of our government agencies, to try to bury a lot of this and to sanitize it and make it seem as if, though, no, what we did wasn't wrong, what you did was wrong, as opposed to just looking at it for what it really is. And if we, like independent journalists, don't speak out, keep our voices out there, and then we're relying on our listeners to share these stories. You know, we could just, th this is an inflection point, and we could just lose it all, I think. 
I mean, when you were on the show the other week, I said, you know, have we just lost the war and the, the battle and the war? You're in BB Diamond. So we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. You're tuned in to After Dark with Robin Andrew. And my special co-host tonight is Heather Robinson. We'll be back after break. Stay tuned. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com. Seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. And we're back to After Dark with Robin Andrew and my special co-host, Heather Robinson. And we're still talking about what's happening today in politics. And if we don't keep these stories out there, people will forget they won't know what happened, and there will be only one side that's being told. And I opened the show giving you a little historical background as to why perhaps Republicans are gun-shy when it comes to just really pushing back on a lot of issues, going back to 1981, a gubernatorial race in New Jersey, whereby this governor came in and got both parties to enter this consent agreement, banning Republicans for showing up at polling uh, uh voting sites and monitoring of the election. And this just recently when this judge died in 2015 and then Obama did a replacement in 2018, did this decree just completely retire out. But you think about it, it's like it was almost 40 years. So Republicans are now trying to mobilize themselves, trying to understand what's up and what's down and to understand the lay of the land. Because the other thing is that when, when this decree was issued, Republicans weren't able to go in and look at the mechanics behind the elections. So they were able to staff all of these elections with Democrat or independent or like-minded people. The same thing with the media today. The people behind the scenes are people that favor Democrat ideology. You look around you in our schools, in corporations, 
entertainment, and unfortunately, in our judicial system, the folks that are there tend to lean toward the Democrats. Now, some of them will say, Heather, that they're Republicans. But then it goes back to that term, rhino, Republicans in name only. Or is it that they're actually moderate Democrats saying that they're Republicans? Because you can be a Democrat and say, hey, I'm fiscally conservative. But on these other things, you know, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm very liberal. So that brings me to my next point. And we're t- still talking about these documents that were found in Joe Biden's garage, a locked garage with his famed green Corvette. I wish it were the Little Red Corvette because I told Andrew we could have done a song about it. Little Red Corvette, Little Green Corvette. But uh, anyway, Joe's saying that, hey, it was locked behind this. But and now we see that there is another uh, slew of documents that were found. And Joe's saying that, hey, we gave them all. The difference is that Donald Trump, they were trying to hide the documents. No, Donald Trump said, hey, I have these documents, but these documents belong to me. Whereas Joe Biden is saying, oops, we just found these documents, and these are the only documents. Now it seems to be a drip, 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 more documents, more documents. Now, mm -hmm. you would think that they would say, okay, because you don't know, and although you're telling us that's it, Why don't we just raid your property? Why don't we just send some people out there to really look at this? Well, that's not going to happen because it goes back to what I was saying. Staffed within these different agencies are individuals that have friends of friends who would say, no, don't do it. Let's give him a little slack here and let's give them a little leeway. So we're not going to do that. So they're not going to take the same approach that they would took that they would take with Donald Trump. We don't like him. We're going to make a big scene of it. Let's go in. Let's raid. A former president. Here you have the current president. Well, we're not going to do it. A current president who's forgetful, who's absent-minded, and whose son is under investigation by the Delaware FBI. I don't think it's going to go anywhere because Merrick Garland is the guy's boss in Delaware. So when you look at all these things that are taking place, how can one not say, wait, Justice should be the same across the board, and that's what the Democrats are constantly screaming. Oh what man, comes to I, them is something different. Look at Heather. I haven't even heard them, you know, claim that in many years, Rob, that justice should be blind. That's that seems to be a quaint notion. <laughs> I mean, we know there are two sets of legal standards for conservatives and for the left. We saw that all through the pandemic. You know, when uh, when it was supposedly impossible or very unlikely to spread the virus through congregating to protest um, or, by the way, going to the liquor store or playing in the casino. Uh, or strip joint. <laughs> yeah, going to school, uh, going to the beach. Those people were selfish pigs. OK, we heard all that. We know that um, to the tune of millions of dollars, some churches have been. Uh, assessed fines, which is something that I'm going to be writing about soon in California. Um, You know, I don't know of similar uh, crippling fines on people who gathered for BLM or Antifa meetings. So, you know, we know there are two sets of legal standards in the minds of many people. Um, And then as far as this goes with Trump and Biden, I would say a couple things. you know, what they're saying is that, well, it's different because Biden cooperated and Trump didn't with this effort to get the classified documents. But first of all, um, 
you know, uh, we I think that Trump knew they were out to get him because of what we've talked about, the weaponization of the agencies of this government. Um, this man was hounded and harassed, his family hounded and harassed relentlessly all through his presidency, including by the agencies of government that are supposed to be impartial. Um, it seems they weren't, and I think he knew that. So, I mean, I think that goes away toward explaining why he didn't want to let them in, but to the extent that we're supposed to believe Biden cooperated, um, first of all, I think he he probably knows that these people are on his side for the most part. They're not out to get him. You know, the FBI, and, uh, uh, agencies of the government, um, because we know that these these agencies have been weaponized in many ways. I mean, I'm not saying everybody in the agencies, but they have they have a leaning and a strong bias apparently in recent years. Um, we don't know why exactly, but they do. And so, yeah, I think he was, you know, not as reluctant to let them in. But secondly, it appears he wasn't really cooperating because, like you said, they keep finding more and more and more of this stuff in Biden's possession. So I don't really think there's such a big gulf as the leftist media would like you to think between the way Trump handled this and the way Biden's handling it. And the third thing I would say is as a journalist, I personally am no fan of classified information. I don't think that, that there should be, you know, gargantuan loads of secrets being kept in vast vaults from the American people, you know, as if the people who run the country are mobsters who have elaborate networks of secrets that have to be, I mean, I, I do understand that when it comes to military operations or some such, or, you know, active investigations, that there are reasons that the press can't have access to everything at all times. But I think that the founders envisioned, you know, a much smaller government than what we have today. You know, government, I don't think was envisioned as, you know, some of it is the outgrowth of our huge population and that we're a burgeoning growing country, or we were anyway, for many decades and centuries. And so you need, I guess, uh, to grow somewhat, but this vast government full of thousands and tens of thousands of bureaucrats with secret vaults of information, I mean, wasn't really something that I think, you know, it's not a lean government. It's not a, you know, tightly um, managed government. It's, it's, there's hordes and hordes of people and bloated uh, institutions and agencies, and they're keeping a lot of secrets and they're using a lot of resources that really belong to the taxpayers as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not a huge fan of, you know, tons and tons of classified stuff being kept from Americans to begin with. And I don't know how we go even about addressing that because it's so now part of the culture, you know, like our greatest leaders warned us. And I mean, my understanding is this was one of Eisenhower's departing speeches. He said, you know, you ha you're going to have to watch that military industrial complex. You know, George Washington said, beware of foreign entanglements. That's getting a little far afield that, you know, that relates to foreign policy specifically. But I think that some of our greatest leaders have warned us, government, it, like any institution, if it grows, it becomes full of people who serve themselves and have their own agendas. And it becomes 
its own entity that seeks to, it's almost like a blob that, you know, once it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it finds reasons to justify its existence. And this happened on the micro level, by the way, in New York City, New York's darkest days. I, I was watching a documentary the other night about it. New York in the 60s and 70s had become ungovernable or so, so the authorities and experts said. But it was because there were so many agencies that had been created supposedly to help address crime and poverty and drugs. But these agencies, these these government you know, programs, vast things, most of which didn't work, they weren't working. They were creating more dependency and more people who needed to be paid to do these jobs that were actually not solving problems, but but growing problems. And, you know, it's just, it's big government, it becomes inefficient, and now it's full of secrets from all of us. And, um, you know, it's full of endless files and things that we have no knowledge of that we're paying for. And, it, you know, I don't know how we even begin to, to push back on this, but, you know, I hope that the, the new Republican Congress at least gets started trying to do something. Right. And the thing that's really scary, as you said, is that this government, we had all of our leaders warning us about it because if it gets too big, then it wants to survive. It's trying to yeah. maintain. Well, not all, not all right, right. No, the best ones, because some of our, I think a lot of some of the leaders were they're in on this part of the swamp, yes. but they, they gave us caution. Yep, self-serving. The leaders who, in my view, are, were the least self-serving. George mm -hmm. Washington, who said, this country is my child, I have no heir, who stepped down voluntarily instead of seizing power, who said, don't call me your excellency, call me Mr. President, a leader right. with humility, who loved the country, a patriot whose service was to this country and not about getting a book deal and getting his kid into a fancy college and getting his friends permanent assignments as diplomats. You know, Eisenhower, who by all accounts was a modest, dutiful person and not a media whore. He was a person who wanted to serve and did serve this country, brought us through World War II. These were the leaders who warned us. And I think that there are a lot of people who will seek power and these, you know, seek power, seek money. There will be graft. There will be deception. There will be a massive complex created for the you know, the existence of these people to better themselves, you know, and their families and, and sell and whatever, this will be a business. And, and, and I, you know, I think that that has come to pass in many ways and the, the country has gotten further away from the will of the, the ordinary citizen, who I actually think is remarkably, I think the American people have stayed you know, pretty, pretty pure and sound. I don't want to say pure, but I think that we have a country, a great national character, a lot of good people in this country. And the closer you get to the the small towns in the country and the, yes, and people, I'm saying they're good people in the cities too, but I think the further you get from the height of power, the better the people are. And we need to take back our government. Oh, you, that was well said. So that brings me to my next point as I've raised before on the show with Andrew, and I think I might've done it last night or the night before. And I said that I personally think that the seat of our government 
needs to be removed from DC for a spell. I think that DC has become corrupt. Anyone who works in the establishment, they're corrupt. They're part of the swamp. Though they will say that they're not. And I'm sure that there are some good men and women. Sure. Who are there and they're doing, and because you will find that everywhere. But at the same time, you will find people, bad players, bad actors. And when we look at the Twitter files, especially Twitter file 14, and what was said, what has been exposed, that people within our government were actively asking for IP addresses of private citizens wanting to know what they were doing, who they were, and then was encouraging Twitter to silence them. And then you had other people in Congress like Adam Schiff, after they were told by Twitter executives that there is no there there on the Russia collusion. What you're saying, we just can't prove it. Twitter is not a journalism apparatus, but they looked at it and said, there's no there there. And they were shut down and said, it doesn't matter. You're going to run what we want you to run. When you see things like that, and you and looking at history, at some of the things that have transpired, and these foreign players, and what and when I say foreign players, not in a sense of being overseas, but that could be the case, but within the CIA and the FBI, who have willingly looked the other way and said, "No, we're we're, we're not going to follow through on this," James Comey. Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, uh, Andy McCabe, and there was another guy uh, who was with the Twitter files. I had written his name down. I can't; his name escapes me right now. But he too was part of all this. I think we've we've got to relocate the seat of our government. I think it's a nice idea, right? I, and I might I be right. I, it might sound as if I'm like way out there, but. What other way are we going to bring back some type of stability so that people will trust the government? Because if the media were doing its job, as stated in the Constitution, to keep or hold our elected officials accountable, the American public would be in an uproar and say, wait a minute, I can't believe our government agencies and some of the people that we have elected have been lying to us as to what's actually happening in our country. We're looking at Joe Biden, who classified files that involve Ukraine and China. And then you look at the Penn Center, the Biden Center at Penn University, and we're finding out that China gave them almost $100 million. And then there was an investigation that was supposed to be going on that the Biden administration shut down. No, hmm. some can say, oh, well, that's coincidence. Possibly. And hopefully we will find out the truth with this new Republican Congress. But again, it does not matter, and it didn't happen if the media does not hold them accountable. I'm going to hold them accountable. I'm going to talk about it. But look at the other news outlets. And I dare say some of the same news outlets on the right, they're making light of all this. Whereas when, it, when the tables were turned and it was on Donald Trump, they talked about it nonstop. Now they'll mention it. They'll say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Joe did this. We found this out and this and that probably like 10 minutes, and then they moved on. But for Donald Trump, it's like 30-minute blocks. They are covering from every angle, as if to feed the American people a diet of, you can't trust this man, look at what he's done, 
only to find out he's done absolutely nothing. He didn't deny having the documents, but he said, I have a right to have the documents. Again, we can quibble over that. That will have to be litigated in the courts. But what Joe Biden did as vice president that he shouldn't have done, he did not have the authority to have those documents and then for the government to sit on this information before an election. They did not want the people to know about it, which takes us back to 2020 when they hit this whole thing about the Hunter Biden laptop. It's happening again. So how can I, as an American citizen, have any faith in our government? We will take this up on the other side of the break. I can tell you, one of the greatest pathophysiologic drivers for tiredness and fatigue during the day is poor quality sleep at night. People always focus on how long they slept, but they never think about the quality. And to improve the quality, there's a terrific product. That's the Healthy Cell REM Sleep Supplement. And what I tell friends and family and patients is take it every night consistently. Uh, it comes in a, continue, a, a convenient bioabsorbable gel pack Uh, Take it right before you go to bed. Take the gel pack, brush your teeth, go to bed. Its effects are nearly instantaneous, and patients get a well-rested sleep continuously, day after day, week after week, month after month, and then that daytime tiredness and fatigue melts away when there's a greater restful sleep the night before. So give it a try. Go to uh, HealthyCell.com, and in the promotional code, type in out loud for 20% off your order. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. And we're back for the last half segment of After Dark with Robin Andrew. And when we're going to break, I was just saying to Heather, you know, how can I, a private citizen, even trust my government learning or when I'm finding out about all the malfeasies that has been taking place, but people who are sworn to protect us and sworn to have our best interests at heart. And you could go from, you look at COVID-19, 
And what we were told, first we were told, don't take the shot because if it's under Trump, it's going to kill you. Two, you need to take it. Everyone needs to take it. We're not going to force you to take it. Then we're going to force you to take it. If you don't take it, you're going to lose your job. You saw all these people are frontline defenders losing their jobs because they didn't want to take it. And then if you don't take it, you're going to get other people sick. If you take it, you're not going to get COVID. People took it. They got COVID not once, but twice. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And you have people at the top, the CDC, who's being given directions from someone, I don't know if it's Barack Obama in sweats in, the, in his basement saying, hey, tell him this and tell him that, but clearly this is being pushed and they're using social media as an apparatus to poison our minds to tell us this is what you got to do and this is what you better do. And if anyone is saying anything different, get rid of them. So that, I, that's my reason for saying, how can I trust our government? And then Heather, you even brought up something that I thought was really good and we we're joking about when we went to break about media whores. And I think we have a lot of media whores that are out there. Oh yeah. Well with we, no good intention. Go ahead, Heather. We become a society of media whores. I mean, you know, it's like one of the most accurate predictions ever made. And I think a lot of brilliant people have tried to predict things and not been you know, not gotten it right. But Andy Warhol of Pittsburgh, you know, one of the greatest pop artists, said, in the future, everyone will have 15 minutes of fame. And I think he said that in the 50s or 60s. And that's a very accurate prediction. We've become a society, uh, you know, exploding with media. And of course, you know, I like it in a lot of ways, Rob. I mean, you and I are media people. And there's nothing, you know, inherently bad about media. You know, in many ways, it's great. It connects us. It's communications. It's what some people feel communications is what differentiates humankind from animals, you know, right behind the creation of the wheel and fire. You know, it's like in agriculture. The, the, well, the ability to communicate allowed for those things, really. Without verbal communication, you can't cooperate. And so anyway, um, Media is a great thing in many ways, but I think we're in an age where um, everybody wants to be famous and, and to get to the apex of power requires so much media savvy that it attracts personalities who seek the spotlight and uh, crave attention. And it's, you know, humble, modest, reserved people are at a disadvantage. You know, somebody like a Harry Truman or a Dwight Eisenhower rest his soul, George Washington, you know, probably could never get elected today because people are too damn stupid. What they want is a show with everything. They're not valuing character highly enough and their attention span is short and they're being entertained. And, you know, much as I do think Trump was a disruptor in a good way, a reformer, you know, a pragmatist, uh, many good things I could say about him, a deal maker, uh, you know, a visionary, he was a media whore. Yeah, sure he was. He is. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what it takes. I think, you know, so is Biden and Hunter Biden and Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and all these people. Michelle Obama, a lot of the media loved her. She didn't strike me as a media whore particularly. I think she kind of, for all the things I didn't like about her, one thing I thought was she kind of thought it was bullshit and she, excuse my language, was a little more of a real kind of, Person, but I mean, I think Trump is too. But anyway, I just think that you know we're in an age where people who seek the spotlight and 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 flourish in it are you know at a, at an advantage. And you know, but when you think about leadership, 
a big part of leadership, yes, is communication and being entertaining and being funny, being dynamic, being a good speaker. But it's a lot of things, right? You want a leader who's strong, who's decisive, who's intelligent, who makes good decisions, who isn't a runaway egotist, you know, who thinks of the country and is able to put others first. Um, you know, and those kinds of people, I think, are at a disadvantage now to, as far as accessing leadership, unfortunately, for all of us. Maybe less so as you get closer to the local level. Actually, Lee Zeldin strikes me as one of those types of men. Um, you know, he's a cancer survivor, an Iraq war vet. I am personally acquainted with him, and he never struck me as an egotist or a media whore at all, um, which is maybe one of the reasons he lost. I hate to say it. He's a nice well, guy, you know. A nice guy. And as we said in one of our other shows, you know, and and the most courteous way, I guess I'll say, Republicans have got to start doing what Democrats are doing if they want to win the game. I go back to that historical data that I gave at the beginning of the show as to what, I mean, capped them at the knee when this judge came in and made this ruling in 1981, and it stayed in place for all those years, and now Republicans are trying to play catch-up, and whenever they want to challenge an election, they're like really careful. They don't want to say anything, and I, I, I compare that to what's happening with this information that we're finding out about Joe Biden. I, I think mm -hmm. that, yes, we're, we're all disappointed. Republicans are upset about it, but the way the Democrats handled it. I mean, they went out and they attacked, they called Trump everything, and it was easy for them to do it because the media had already helped them to define Trump. And you should never let your opponent define you. But many Republicans sat on the sidelines and they waited. You look at the Russia collusion and you look at how some of them mm -hmm. just sat back and said, well, maybe we should look at this and you know, maybe Trump should be quiet. I remember Trey Gowdy once, and I, I like Trey mm -hmm. Gowdy, mm -hmm. when this whole Trump thing was going on and he made the comment once, he said, well, if Donald Trump is so innocent. Why would he just shut up? If why he's innocent, why doesn't he just shut up? This he is what Trey Gowdy said about Trump in really? 2017 with this whole Russia collusion. Yeah. And then he started going into, he went to the White House and looking at the skiffs and looking at the information for himself. And mm -hmm. he said, um, you know, I said that Trump should shut up, but mm -hmm. what I've seen, and I can't tell you what I've seen. I see why he's angry now. Bill Barr, the attorney general at the same time, said the exact same thing. He said mm -hmm. that I don't blame Trump for being mad, knowing what he knows. So they all knew it was mm -hmm. a whole fabricated lie. But mm -hmm. like you had Republicans sitting on the sidelines as though they were waiting, saying, oh, maybe he did collude. Maybe he did. And it's like, but there's no evidence. He didn't do it. I never, just, for once, I never once thought that he had done it, but you know what? I said, well, maybe just give them a special counsel so that they can prove that he didn't do it to my own ignorance, not realizing that once you get the special counsel, you can go out over the map and just find a crime, create crimes. Which is mm -hmm. what, look at what Merrick Garland did for the attorney, the, uh, the special prosecutor who's going to look at the Mar-a-Lago raid. Mm -hmm. Now, he gave him a broad, he just like, here. I want you to look there. I also want you to look at Jan 6. I want you to look at all of this. Jan 6 has nothing to do with the documents at Mar-a-Lago. Mm -hmm. But at Mar-a-Lago, we already know that there is no there there because the media has already leaked what the documents were the same way the media leaked 
Trump's tax returns. They had everyone thinking, oh, there's something hidden there, and we're going to be able to prove that he colluded with Russia and all this and all that. But Trump kept saying, no, don't look at it. Don't look at my tax return. So people assume he doesn't want us to see it. There has to be something there. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court said, here, take the, take the tax returns. Look at them. And then right before the new year, what does Congress do? We're going to release the tax returns. What did we find out? There was no there there. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the documents at Mar-a-Lago. There's no there there. But mm-hmm. Merrick Garland wants to create a situation to say, oh, yeah, there's something there. So we want him to look not only at that, but go all the way to Jan 6, because see, they're on a fishing expedition. Mm-hmm. But when he gave the special prosecutor, when he created the special prosecutor to look over Biden's documents, he said, no, just look at the documents that were there. He didn't say, also look at the Hunter Biden situation. Let's see what's going on there. Let's see what he actually did. Why didn't he give him that latitude? You see, two different things. So they're still playing two different sides. In my opinion, Heather, and I said this before on previous shows, the enti- not only do I feel that the seat of our government needs to move, be removed from D.C., I guess for a, a decade or so, <laughs> we need to relocate because we need to clean out the swamp. We need a fresh batch of people that are there. I know that this could possibly displace people, but in order to save our country, in order for people to trust it, we've got to get out these people who are in the swamp. And these swampers date all the way back to the Clinton years, to uh, the Obama years, and they just keep recommending people to be higher. So you never can get a fresh set of eyes or new ideas. It's just yes. a continuation. So again, I feel that it should be removed out. Now, the point that I was going to make about the whole Merrick Garland thing. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're saying that the Congress, Republican Congress, should impeach Mallorca, Homeland Security guy. Mm. I also feel that Mayor Garland should be impeached. Christopher Ray should, re, should be removed from office because mm. he is compromised. I don't care what he says, he is, but I would take it a step farther. And some might say that this is radical. Perhaps it is. But I also feel that. The entire Biden administration should be impeached, should be removed. And one other thing, they're saying that uh, this new Republican Congress that Kevin McCarthy is looking at expunging Trump's record on impeachments, and I think that should happen. I will give you the last say on all of this, Heather. What do you say? Well, I was just it could be considered as being radical, and I'm okay with that. Well, you know, I, I think it's an interesting idea, but I don't think that we're going to relocate from DC. I, I think that, you know, for starters, we could just simply try to bring back the principle of fairness, um, equal, equal equality under the law, equal enforcement of the law. These are basic concepts, and I think we just need to keep repeating that, you know, whether it's Trump or it's Biden, you know, if if the law applies to one, it applies to both. This ridiculous knee-jerk defending of your own side, you know, uh, one violent riot is okay, is, is an expression of justice. The other is the worst thing that ever happened in the history of this country. I mean, this is just such blatant, obvious, totally inconsistent um, what would you call it? It's just hypocrisy. And I think that we need to just keep 
I, I'm not for that reason. I'm not sure that the thing to do is impeach somebody. I mean, I was just talking about this with someone whose opinion I value today, and he was saying that he thinks that the the, the Republican uh, Congress should impeach Biden because he really has it coming. The Democrats have it coming, and they do with what they did to Trump and his supporters. But I tend to think maybe better to expunge what was done to Trump and say. You know, we are not going to engage in this unless, you know, we there really is evidence of a crime. You know, we're not going to lower the country to this so that every time the person you don't like gets elected, you impeach him. That's what you guys did. But it stops here. However, we are going to fight hard for the principles and on the issues that our uh, constituents put us here to fight for legally, you know, uh, peacefully and strongly. We don't want our children indoctrinated into transgenderism at age five. You know, we don't want um, endless decades long, pointless wars that rob our best and brightest of their lives and limbs and hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars. And then in the end, whoops, maybe it was the wrong call. No, you know, we are not gonna be led blindly anymore. We are gonna ask tough questions. You know, we want a leaner government. We don't want a bloated, insane federal bureaucracy full of agencies with top secret information that tell us we absolutely must go to wars here, there, and everywhere in countries that never attacked us for decades at a time. We don't, you know, we at least want to ask questions about this going forward. You know, it's not going to be the same status quo that it's been for the past 40 years um, 50 years, whatever that's been, you know, of the wild spending on foreign entanglements and social programs that don't work very well and create dependency. And, um, you know, we are going to bring a muscular, principled conservative agenda to Washington. We are not going to engage in endless impeachments and government hearings and spend the people's money this way. That's what I'd like to see, not, you know, tit for tat and. Mm. I think Biden, you know, is kind of a, a figurehead and I think everybody knows it, you know, so I'm not so sure. I mean, I, unless there's something concrete, like, I mean, I think if something really could be demonstrated and there was, I mean, there was, you know, corruption going on there, you know, with, with Ukraine. Um, I think that was, I wish they were asking more questions about that now, you know, how does that relate to what we're doing over there? You know, um, I think that the questions should be asked, but I'm not so sure about impeaching him because I that to me seems a little like another ride on the merry-go-round of, you know, getting even. And they've wasted so much time, Rob. They, you know, they have wasted so much taxpayer money and the energy of the legislators, you know, on this partisan witch hunt. We need to remind people of the waste and the abuse they engaged in. I don't think we... We should, you know, play that game, I guess. But I do think we should be tough on when it comes to the election reform. That I think. I think we really need to fight to make sure there are Republican monitors at every election site. You know, no more fraud. Push back on this mail-in ballot stuff. You know, and get more conservatives elected. Right. Well, Heather, thank you for uh, sharing with us your thoughts. Uh, I will say this before I close. Uh, I, I think that 
I could see people saying that if we were impeached, it's tit for tat. But I would go a step farther, not only impeach, but remove from office. You've been listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew, my special co-host, Heather Robinson. We want to thank her for joining us. And as we always say, I hope you tune in. I hope you share the broadcast with your friends and family. So thank you for joining us tonight on After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is available on iHeartRadio, Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and tune in to our radio or wherever you listen to your podcast. Good night, God bless, and be safe. Thank you. <laughs>